On today's show, we welcome Ellie Salthouse, a pro triathlete uh, living between Brisbane and Boulder, originally from Brisbane. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I am so excited to have you. And I know we're going to have a great catch up. And this is just, it's been a long time coming. I, I'm, I'm really just been watching your progress and seeing you holding up winning banners above your head as you cross the finish line. And you just, you just really are, um, you know, a, a smiling down to earth champion, um, which I know uh, you've been very inspiring to me. But for people that haven't yet come across you, could you tell us a little bit about your endurance life? Well, thanks for that. You're feeding my ego. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started triathlon when I was 11 and uh, gradually progressed through ITU ranks. Um, and then I switched to 70.3 in 2016. And I've been racing 70.3 since then and had quite a bit of success uh, compared to my ITU career. Um, and I, yeah, I enjoy it a lot more and, and, uh, yeah, I just love everything about the 70.3 circuit and the people and the training and racing and yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Mm. And so, you know, it's a bit of a, um, big distance, the old 70.3. I know we've got like, you know, full Ironman and there's Ultraman and, and there's all these sorts of things, but, um, you know, the first one that you stepped up to, was it immediate success or did you, you know, sort of like step out of the, the shorter distance and then think, oh, well, you know, get used to this longer distance? Yeah, so I was still training for ITU when I, Siri and I decided that we would just do a 70.3 as a training race. Uh, I didn't realize, but I think she was secretly priming me for some 70.3 mm. uh, career change, but uh I thought, you know, I have a gap in racing and, and I would go and I raced in um, Penticton in 2015 uh, in September, which was my first half. And I hated it, to be perfectly honest. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Well, because I wasn't training for it, it was just so painful and so long and I wasn't used to racing nor training at those distances. Um, so then, uh, at the end of 2015, I decided to completely swap to 70.3 and focus my training on that. And that's when I did my first half in January of 2016, having actually trained for it. And I won that, that was challenge Melbourne. Um, wow. so that was when I had my first taste of success. See, that's interesting. So it's like, oh, well, I've started training for this thing. Now I just win. Do you know, like that must have been what? Because, like you're saying, like you, everything is so competitive these days. So for you to even win a seventy point three at all is just mind-blowingly awesome. Because you know the the <laughs> field and the caliber, so it just shows like how good you are. Uh, but like you're sort of saying, you're going in those races prior and and not having had that opportunity to to get that one under your belt. Um, that's is was it was that amazing? Like to to be so few races in and to to win. That must have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge defining moment for me. I was kind of at the the period in my career where I was trying to decide whether I was even going to continue in triathlon. Uh, and that's why Siri and I decided to swap from ITU to 70.3 racing, just because I needed change and uh, I wasn't ready to quit the sport, but I wasn't, I wasn't um, enjoying it enough to continue in ITU. So to come away with a win in that, in my first uh, 70.3 having trained for that distance it really cemented that I could be good at this distance and that I could be successful um, so that was yeah a huge defining moment in my career 
Yeah, it, and to think like if it had have been four races later, you might have been like just doing your job or, or do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, no, I'm now I'm pro netball or like, I don't know what the yeah. sports you might have been into. Do you know what I mean? But like if you had have stopped, where would you have gone? What would you be doing yeah, right now? I have no idea, to be honest. I'm studying nutrition and dietetics, so maybe by now I would have finished that, that course. It's taken me like maybe 15 years now, but maybe I would have finished it and be doing something in that. But, yeah, who knows? I mean, I would have found – a different path that I enjoy, I'm sure, but I don't yes. know what that is because I continued in triathlon and now I yeah. love it again. And, and yeah. thankfully that happened because now I we all know. get to be like super inspired by your champion efforts. Um, oh, thanks. But, but that's cool. So, so um, Siri is your coach? Yeah, Siri Lindley. She's still my coach. I've been with her six years now. Yeah, right. And so you're getting to see the world, you're, um, you know, super fit, uh, you know, there seems to be a lot of benefits. But from your perspective, what have some of the benefits been uh, that have come into your life uh, from being an endurance athlete? Yeah, well, I'm definitely living the dream in most respects. Mm. <laughs> um, I think for me, the biggest things that I've gotten out of this sport have been the people I've met and the places I get to go. Um there's no other job really that you can travel as much as I do and, and experience as much of the world and see as much of the world as I get to um, whilst doing what I love. I mean, I get to ride around in some of the coolest locations in the world. And, and I think for me, like I love training, so it's not, it's not a job and I love racing. So that's not a job either. So really I never have to work a day in my life, which is, which is another great side of being a professional athlete. So mm. I'm really lucky as well in that respect. Yeah, yeah, and look, some of the pictures. I, I look at your um, Instagram feed, and I and I watch some of the pictures pop up, and I just it it's basically like a tourism slash fitness ad. Each one, every <laughs> single one. <laughs> I mean, thanks. That's, yeah. that's kind of what I'm going for. I yeah, mean, there is some hard work in there as well, but mm. I don't usually post that side of things. <laughs> and that's fair. That's fair. I get. I can get that. But um, I let that know, talk on the race course. You all, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Actions do speak louder than words. Exactly. And, and so you've done, um, you know, a fair few races now, and obviously it might be that, um, you know, the first seventy point three you'd trained for, but um, maybe not. But do you have like out of all the events you've done, do you have a favourite that stands out in your mind? You know, I used to love Island House when that was around, but that was not a 70.3, obviously, but that was one of my favorite races just because of the location, the people, mm. the atmosphere. It was such a cool event. Uh, but as far as 70.3s go, I really like racing in Boulder. It's essentially a home course for me now that I live here part time. And yeah, I mean, I love racing at home. You know, the course, you know, the roads and the uh, all your friends and family can come out and cheer. So yeah, I think Boulder's probably one of those places that have a has a special a special place in my heart. Now that's pretty cool. Like it doesn't seem to me like it would be a very difficult decision to have to move to Boulder because you know uh, you know I've had a lot of people who live in Boulder come on and they you know they talk about the trails and they talk about just basically Boulder being um, adventure central for the world. Uh -huh. Um, so what was it about Boulder that, um, you know, was your choice? Um, why, why, why Boulder was your, um, second home? Why, why Boulder? 
Well, I knew nothing about Boulder before I actually moved here. <laughs> mm, oh, cool. um, but my coach, Siri, she lives in Boulder. So that was the reason that uh... I ended up coming here. So when I first met Siri uh, at the end of 2013, she said to me that I would have to move to Boulder. Um, so I immediately said yes, having no idea what, what this Boulder place was about. Yeah. Um, and basically packed my bags and and moved and realized what the fuss was all about. And, and yeah, I love it. I love That's it. Here. Interesting. it yeah. It's basically a Mecca for triathlon and triathletes. And yeah, I mean, I'm surrounded by the best here, so it's great. And just, and just for you to be in a situation where you're uh, considering like, you know, the coach says, Hey, I'm working with your coach. Um, you need to move your life, um, you know, <laughs> around the world. You're like, sure. See you soon. So that just shows your level of commitment to, to what you're doing, which is quite cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's one way for Siri to determine your, uh, your commitment to her and to the sport, just tell their athlete to move across the world. And yeah, you know, yeah. depending on their answer is, is how dedicated they are. Too but bad yeah, if they I mean, lived in Boulder because they're exactly, like, oh, we yeah. need you to move to Brisbane. Why? I'm, yeah, I'm move right to here Brisbane with... and then back to Boulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't yeah, think but would. I mean, I'm obviously 100% in on, on the sport and, and on my career and, and I'm invested, obviously. So it was a no-brainer for me if, if – one of the best coaches in the world says to move across the globe to better yourself and to be with her and her squad, then of course you're going to do it. I mean, there yeah. was no questions asked. And and now you get to live the dream because you're willing to put the work in, um, but you're also willing to make the sacrifices. Moving to Boulder, exactly. it, that could be a chip up. Brisbane's pretty cool, um, <laughs> but by the scenes of it, um, Boulder might be a little cooler. Or, I don't know. Any well, In um, more respects than one, it's about to snow tonight. So uh, oh, it's, it's cool. a little cooler here in yeah, uh, more wow. ways than one. But yeah, no, I mean, I love going back to Brisbane as well. It's my home. So my family are there and, and I always love going home as well. We're very lucky here. And and you mentioned yeah. the Island House. So I watched some um, some videos on YouTube and that seemed to be, I could be wrong, but it seemed to be one where they invite people from all different um, triathlon distances to a race together to see who might be able to, you know, match it at like a, yeah. you know, outside of their norm. Um, so that's that you were sort of mentioning that that might have stopped by now, but um, it certainly looked like a cool race. Um, was it was it the, the it certainly looked very picturesque. It's like <laughs> let's just let's just race at a resort um, yeah. kind of thing. But it was was yeah. it interesting racing against people from all the different distances? Yeah, I think that was the best part of it is that you get to race people that you wouldn't normally get to race against. Um, so mm. it was yeah, arguably some of the best athletes. From the th from Ironman, half Ironman, and ITU style racing, and yeah, we ra basically raced on a private island in the Bahamas and across a bunch of different disciplines, uh, draft legal and non-drafting. Um, so there was a mix of events that would hopefully cater for all of us, so that we could find out basically who was the strongest across the board. So it was it was competitive, but it was also fun and beautiful at the same time. Mm, mm, I like it. And, you know, from your perspective, I can already see that you've put a heap of effort in, you know, to, in your training. Um, you wouldn't be where you are without that training. You've mm -hmm. moved your life 
um, you you just still seem to always just be the smiling assassin, just you know, happily going about your business, and then you know chalking up chalking up um, you know great results. From from your perspective, what do you think makes up a successful mindset? Um, I think you have to love what you do. I think that's the most important thing. For me, when I was miserable and not loving the sport back in uh, 2012, I uh, I left the sport and I decided to pursue other avenues. Um, but I decided that my happiness did lie in triathlon and, and it gave me a whole new respect for the sport. So I think really loving what you do and loving loving the training, the racing, um, is, is probably the most important thing to be successful um, as well as, you know, wanting to put in the work, obviously, um, it takes it takes work, it takes grit, it takes hunger, determination, all those things to be an amazing athlete. But unless you have that love and the passion to want to be the best, then you can't generally won't get there without that. Mm, mm, I like that. So it's almost like tied to tied to your passion and and a little bit of your your purpose is kind of like in in intertwined into this thing by the sounds of it. So you stepping away, did you then look back like like you're sort of saying, but maybe the grass you needed that little bit of a break to see that the grass is greener on your own side. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely truth when people say that you don't know what you've got till it's gone, and and mm. that's what I found when I left the sport and. And then when I came back, I had a whole new respect and a whole new outlook on, on the sport and on my training. And, yeah, it was a really important time for me that I left the sport. I, and I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, I look back on that as one of the defining moments in my career. Sweet. And, and you talk about grit. Like you've had times, I'm guessing, well, actually better to ask, if you have dark times, say so whether it's like you just don't want to get out of bed um, or you're like – in pain during a session or you're just over it like you know whether or not be, I don't even know if that happens for you but what is it that you might be telling yourself to sort of push past those times to to sort of keep stepping up and getting out of bed and getting that training session done yeah I mean everybody has dark moments and tough times it's inevitable and in everything you know in life uh, work a sport especially so I mean, for me, the biggest thing and, and the biggest piece of advice that Siri's given me that's probably stuck with me is to find your why, to find basically your purpose, why you started, why you're doing it, why you get out of bed every morning, why you go to train. Um, and if you can if you can find your why and keep reminding yourself of, of that why, then I think it's really easy to get through those moments. Um, yeah, I mean... I always remind myself every morning when I get out of bed why I'm doing what I'm doing, regardless of whether I'm excited or, you know, a little bit tired or whatever else might be going on. But as long as I know why I'm getting out of bed and why I'm going to training, then I'm fine and, and I can always get the best out of myself. Um, I also remind myself of the of the goal and, and what I want to achieve out of the sport, but I think living in the moment is more powerful than an outcome-focused um, mm, yeah, mm, living in the moment. Oh, I like that. And yeah. so speaking of goals, um, mm -hmm. what, what are your goals for, for the coming, you know, rest of this year, maybe beyond, um, do you have any sort of big goals that you're working towards at the moment? Yeah. I mean, the biggest goal for me is becoming a world champion, uh, whether that be this year or, or down the track. I mean, I'm always going to focus on the one that's upcoming. So 2019, um, mm. I'd love to be world champion in September. So obviously that's my big focus this year. 
That's a bit like, you know, what's so cool. Like for starters that we're chatting, right? I love that because, you know, it's like potential, the next world champion. That, <laughs> I mean, that's just cool. And, but I just love the idea that like you are in the hunt as being uh-huh. the best in the world. And like you already show that at times you're the best because you win. So, yeah. so that's cool. Um, but ultimately, you know, like you've got to get the, all the way to that thing and, and get to the final one and then, with, <laughs> you know, hold the banner above your head. Um, yep. can, you, can you see it in your mind? Oh, yeah, every day. Every day I've seen every little bit of that race. So mm. <laughs> I can tell you mm. exactly what's going to happen in every moment of that race. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. And so yeah. for people listening that maybe um don't tap into visualization like is that something that you've always done forever or or someone has helped you along like getting that to your point where it's like you know you've got that spark you've got the goal it it might very well be tied to your why um but is is visualization something that you've yeah always done or, or has someone taught you to do that yeah, growing up, I did a lot of it um, racing ITU. I used to get crippling nerves and, and I wouldn't be able to perform on race day. So I saw a lot of sports psychologists and they really helped me tap into that visualization concept. Um, but I was never that great at it because I didn't really see the benefits of it um, until I I uh, moved to train with Siri. And she's a huge believer in visualization. And she really helped me understand why I was doing it and um, you know, the purpose, um, when it came to race day and when it came to those times where you get really nervous, um, and how beneficial it is to have that, that visualization, um, in your head. So, I mean, I definitely do it more now than I, um, ever did in the past, but I think it's a really powerful tool. Um, and if you can do it properly and, um, and you actually believe what you're visualizing, then I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Like the more the more you hear about it, um, the more you realize that a lot of champions are in in all sorts of things are actually doing that, and that they actually bring that in to a lot of different performance um, coaching. You know, f- f- like all around the world, um, which I find really intriguing. Um, and because I don't actually, maybe I do, but I don't actually have pictures in my mind like when I'm when I'm thinking of things like if you were like to say pink elephant I don't think of a pink elephant I have those words in my mind um so yeah visualization for me but I can still like picture concepts of things so like in your mind does it work that if you were like to imagine yourself at the finishing line holding up a banner that you could see a vivid picture of yourself in your mind holding that banner up yeah exactly I I must see basically as if I was my own body. So I, I see mm. what I would see. So I see the crowd, I see the banner, I see the, and you know, the photographers, all that kind of thing. Um, so I more put myself in my own shoes rather than looking at myself from an outsider's perspective. But I think everybody does visualization differently and that's fine. I mean, everybody thinks differently, but I think for me, like, uh, doing visualization on a daily basis definitely allows me to eliminate any of those um, uh, uncertainties or anything mm. uh, on the race day, which really helps with nerves for me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, I, I think I was watching like the um, the documentary The Secret at one point, and mm-hmm. it was sort of talking about how like the mind often can't tell the difference between the the thought that you hold in your mind and reality. So, you know, if if you just keep seeing the win, the win, the win, then your body is already comfortable with, oh, no, I win. 
this race yeah and you exactly. haven't even yet done it what? exactly right yeah your mind is, is so powerful that's in- incredible yeah. and so we've got we've got this mindset piece down pat you train um like an absolute machine um i'm sure but in terms of then recovery my coach um, really just you know loves to talk about recovery 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 from from your perspective do you have any tips for recovering quicker or like how to get the most out of your body what's what's recovery look like for you yeah for me the biggest thing is sleep I think that's the easiest and most beneficial way of recovering. So I try and get at least eight to nine hours a night, Uh, sometimes more if I'm really tired. Um, But, yeah, I think being off your feet um, is another important thing. Whenever you're not training, try and be either lying down or sitting down or just, you know, eliminate doing, you know, additional walking around or or, – things that that aren't going to complement your training. Uh, Also eating properly and eating healthy, eating well, fueling your body for not only recovery but for the next session as well. Um, That's a huge, a huge thing. And and obviously I'm studying nutrition and dietetics, as I mentioned. So for me, finding uh, what works for me is really interesting and kind of excites me almost. So I like to try a lot of different things to see what, what works best for my recovery and for my fueling. Um, for future sessions so uh, that's another big tip and and also um, you know I like to take baths and you know a bit of self-love every now and again and that helps uh, helps to you know de-stress the body and and get it ready for the next few sessions. Mm, and, and the bath are you is it just relaxing in the bath are you throwing like Epsom salts or some sort of things into the bath or it's just hey, yeah, look, I'm Epsom just flat out salt. candles and relaxing? Epsom salts? <laughs> no, Epsom salts for sure. Yeah, they really help with uh, any inflammatory and and they're really good for um, recovery. Um, and yeah, I'm a big believer in that kind of thing. It's, it's some people think it's a little bit gypsy, but I think they work. So yeah, yeah I always gosh, put anything, in my bath. Anything that, yeah. anything that gives you a little bit of an edge. And so yeah. from, from your um, studies, because this is always very intriguing to me, like, you know, you're not just you're like an F1 car version of a human being, um, you know, so, so you have to put the right fuel in, you have to be able to like, to get to that elite performance. I'm sure like, I don't know, I don't know if an F1 car pulled up to BP and stuck in some unleaded <laughs> might run, I don't know, but uh, so, so what are some of the tips that you might have uh, from what you've been learning and also like, cause you'd have real world experiences to what works and it's, you know, I suppose it's different for everyone, but in your mm-hmm. case, nutrition-wise, what what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest thing was um, being okay with eating carbs. I used to be quite scared of carbs until I started learning a lot more about their place in the body and their place in recovery and fuel. And so I eat a lot of carbs now, pretty much with every meal. Um, and so that's been a huge benefit in my training and my racing. And surprisingly, it's actually had the opposite effect on my body composition and my, um, I guess, how I look uh, as I thought it would. So it's actually allowed me to get a lot more lean, uh, a lot faster, a lot more muscle, um, a lot less fat. So I think it's about finding what works for your body. Um, Some people like a high fat diet and I know Mm. that it works for quite a lot of people. Um, For me, it's it's not great. Um, I'm better off with a higher carbohydrate diet but I mean everybody's bodies function differently and burn differently and 
And I think everybody has to kind of work out what works best for them. But uh, I try and eat maybe six meals a day. So I have oh, my wow. big breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then I'll have like a midday, uh, a mid-morning snack, a mid-afternoon snack. And then maybe a dessert, um, yogurt or berries or something like that. I mean, I tend to stray away from sweets or cakes and chocolates and things like that just because it's fine every now and again um but for me if I if I have something like that then I crave it and I want more of it and I want Mm. it every night and and I find it really difficult to to control myself so it's better that I just stick to really clean healthy foods um I think the biggest piece of advice that someone once gave me I can't remember who but it was really good when when you're shopping, try and, and shop around the outside of the supermarket mm. because that's where all the raw, clean products are, like the produce, the meat, the the breads, the milks, the dairy, all that kind of thing. Um, you shouldn't really need to go down the aisles um, for food products um, that much. I mean, a few things, but try and stick to more the outside of the grocery store. I've been following that technique and it's and it works, you know, like it I does, get heaps yeah. of fruit and veg. But the problem is you do a full lap, you end up at the ice cream aisle and, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, come on, are you going to get a little bit of ice cream? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe. I we'll mean, pull ice up, cream's good right, every now yeah. and again, just not the whole tub. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And I have made that mistake on more than one occasion. Oh, yeah. I think uh, we've all been there. <laughs> So, so that's interesting. And so, you, like, has it been interesting? Because my wife even um, likes the idea of the nutritionist kind of study. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she will pro- progress down that path because something else will, will conquer that one um, in yeah. terms of what she'd want to study more. But has that been interesting? So not only just, like, um, seeing, like, you, you train and you eat and you, you know, do certain things, but learning why stuff is like this and what and what it brings to your body and and what your body needs because kind of nutrition and and what to have it's all a bit of a is the word for gazi where it's like who who really knows you know like you see on the back of a packet it says recommended daily intake of Mm -hmm. you know it it all seems a little bit like oh what am i actually supposed to eat so has that been eye-opening for you Mm -hmm. yeah so that's the the most interesting thing for me is that I basically got sick of hundreds of people telling me different things. Um, and so I wanted to know for myself. So basically that's why I started studying um, the nutrition course. And yeah, I mean, I found it really interesting. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, you don't realize uh, work for your body and fuel your body. And, and you don't really know quantities unless you're aware of it, unless you learn that. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, basically learning why you put things into your body and how they fuel your body and then their purpose really helps give you an understanding of what you need. So you may think your body needs something, but really it's, it's craving something else, um, because it's deficient in in something else. And that's why you're getting a response like that. You may need sugar, for instance. So I think that's, that's really helpful to know the body's responses to different things and, and why you're putting certain things in and, and the purpose that they have uh, for me for performance, but for the average person, basically living uh, a healthy life and being able to do the things they want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's why I love the course and that's why I love studying it because, you know, learning different things allows me to help others um, as well as my my own training and my own day-to-day life. Mm, mm, certainly interesting. Certainly interesting. Yeah. And 
I see that you, uh, some of your photos are like seeing like rad as hell and you've got like some, <laughs> some cool, like some of the coolest cozies. Um, so you, you are working with a few brands at the moment. Did you want to sort of tell us like who you're working with uh, at the moment? Yeah, so the rat as hell is <laughs> is the the latest um, slogan from my badass apparel sponsor. They're called Love the Pain. They're a California-based company. Uh, so all my running, cycling um, clothes and my tri suits are from them. Um, and my swimwear, well, my togs or cozies, or <laughs> depending on which state of Australia you live, mm-hmm. uh, they're from uh, Borgi. They're based in Brisbane, a swimwear company. Uh, so I wear their caps, goggles, swimwear, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm working with Trek this year, which is super exciting for me. Um, they've been on my radar for a couple of years. Uh, so it's really exciting to officially be riding um, with their team this year. So actually, as we speak, I'm having my road bike built. Uh, so I have two custom bikes this year, which is super exciting. And both nice. are equally as beautiful as one another. So mm-hmm. <laughs> very lucky. Um, yeah, I'm also working with uh, Gatorade Endurance for my nutrition and, and all that kind of thing. Um, so that's really important for me, obviously. Um, as I said before, I'm super interested in, in, in what I fuel my body with. So they really align with, with what I, I believe works for me. Um, so we've done a lot of a lot of good things together in being able to get my nutrition right, not only race day, but in training as well. Um, yeah, and I'm also working with, um, head wheels as well. I've been with them for a few years now. Um, yeah. And I mean, they make great wheels and, and I've had most, I've had most of my wins on their wheels. So very lucky to be working with them again. Mm. And there's an exciting one in the works at the moment that I can't really comment on yet, but I will keep you posted on that one <laughs> okay that's cool that's cool yeah and so so this must be an interesting thing like you know when you're you're earning uh, the opportunity to to be able to work with certain brands and and i suppose um align yourself with brands that you love like the idea that treks on your radar and then all of a sudden you know you're getting to work with them and really they would be super lucky to get to work with you as well um so that's kind of cool to be at that level where um you are right at home to, to pick brands and brands to pick you um, because of your awesomeness. Is, is that a cool feeling? Yeah, it's really cool. And I actually forgot, <laughs> this is terrible, but I forgot one other cool one. It's a it's a new one for me this year as well. Um, it's called Federmut, and you may have seen my socks, my mm. donut socks especially. Uh, I've been wearing them for my races for quite a while now. So uh, this year we were officially working together. Um, so, yeah. Stay tuned for some more cool socks in that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's really cool that you have all these dreams of sponsors that you would love to work with. Um, and then when you see that come to fruition, it's, it's, you know, almost a pat on the back moment. Um, it's really cool that, you know, the companies that you want to work with also want to work with you back. So, mm. I mean, that's, that's really cool. And, you know, together, if you both have that, that same dream and ambition um, to be the best. I mean, it's really powerful to have a strong team behind you to get you there. 
Yeah, and it's interesting to see, like, in your um, in your feed at times, like, you know, you'll be having the makeup, you know, I saw one where you're like, they're <laughs> getting makeup ready. So it, it's, you know, um, like, I, it's probably not on the cards for me. Even if I was sponsored, they're probably not going to sit me. Well, they actually probably, truthfully, they actually would sit me in makeup and I'd have to sit there for a very long time <laughs> until they'd be like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's ready to take some photos. Um <laughs> But what's that been like? You know, I'm guessing back in the ITU days, there probably wasn't, well, maybe there was, but there probably wasn't a whole lot of like photo shoots and, um, you know, stuff. Maybe there was, but now that would be more of a feature of what's happening in your world. Is, would that be safe to say? Yeah. I mean, in the ITU, when I was racing ITU, I wasn't having the success that, I, that I'm having now. So there definitely wasn't as, as many photo shoots or media obligations or anything like that but yeah it's been really cool I mean the the photo shoot that you mentioned with makeup and everything was actually one for Borgie um not too long Mm -hmm. ago a few months ago so that was my first time having full hair and makeup done so it's something a little bit different um I really enjoyed it but at the same time uh you know, it's it's nice to have it just a one-off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really love having someone following me around all the time, trying to fix my hair and makeup. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a nice experience. And, yeah, it was good to do something a little bit different. It's interesting um, about that. Like, I um, often talk to my wife about how she's very beautiful. She doesn't need to wear mm-hmm. makeup. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, culture um, that ladies have to go and, you know, do the whole makeup thing, whatever. Um, but I, and I'm often saying like, I use people like you as an example, because I'm like, look, you know, triathletes and swimmers and people at the beach, they, they're not wearing makeup and they're beautiful. You're beautiful. You don't need to wear makeup. We can just, do you know? Um, and so, and so, yeah, that's in a way, um, it's probably is an interesting thing because you can be so natural and you can just be photographed in your natural state when you're about to run onto the line. It's like, hey, look at this fierce, powerful, inspiring woman. Um, well, it's not because you have makeup on, do you know? It's because yeah. you're a fierce, I mean, a, a fierce and powerful woman. So um, that's quite cool. Yeah. And so I feel like the 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 media obligations and and some of those things that I I can't even sort of wrap my mind around what that might be like, um, but it does seem to me to be pretty cool. To like finish and there's photographers and um, you know you're seeing yourself in magazines and it is it's it must be weird. Maybe it's not, but because you know you're earning it and and it's the fruits of your of your efforts. But seeing yourself in a magazine or or featured somewhere is that a strange feeling at times? I mean, it's always strange seeing yourself in in a magazine or newspaper or things like that. Um, For me, I mean, I love that kind of side. I love that side of it. I love, you know, the speaking engagements, the the photos, the photo shoots, all that kind of thing. Um, It's it's something that I've kind of grown up with being in the sport since I was such a such a Mm. young age. So. I think if I hadn't have had that those years of experience, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much and I would maybe shy away from the opportunities. But I love giving back to my sponsors. I mean, they do so much for me as well. So any way that I can give back to them and promote them and thank them for what they do for me is, you know, an opportunity that, of course, I'm going to take and I'm going to enjoy it and, and get the most out of it. <clears throat> and I think it's also good for me to practice um, with with media and you know, every opportunity is, is something I can learn from. So as long as I'm taking taking everything in my stride and, and doing the best I can, I think 
you know, it's going to make me better in the long run. Um, and obviously it's something that's it's always going to be around, you know, there's always going to be press, there's always going to be social media, there's always going to be a place for that in, in the sport. So, and, you know, if I can get used to doing that and if I can get used to doing it well, then, I mean, it's going to benefit me in the long run, it's going to benefit my career. Yeah, and with world champion just around the corner potentially, <laughs> you know, you'd imagine that there'll be more, there'll be, there'll be a fair bit more. That's the plan. <laughs> yeah. And you, I just love your attitude. You really have a, have a terrific attitude. Uh, from, from your perspective, being that you're super inspiring yourself and, and what you're up to and what you're achieving, uh, it'd be interesting to know who inspires you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, growing up, I was really inspired by Loretta Harib, um, Australian silver medalist at the Athens 2000 Games. Mm-hmm. Um, she was my idol for a long time she was actually the club patron for my junior tri club growing up and ever since I met her there she was my hero (laughs) Mm. and she actually put me in contact with Siri she's best friends with Siri Uh, so that's how that happened and so uh, Siri is also another one of those people that inspire me and and not only in triathlon uh, she does a lot outside of triathlon Um, she follows her her passions and, and, you know, she always tells us to follow our dreams and to see her following hers is really inspiring and it, and it really sets the standard for us and, and, you know, encourages us, encourages us to work hard, um, not only in triathlon, but in other areas as well. So I think together those two are probably my, my biggest heroes. Um, and then I know, you know, it's kind of cliche, but I, I always say my parents, my heroes too, they are without them I would not be where I am today um you know in triathlon or out of triathlon so I mean they of course they're my heroes because (laughs) they've made me uh who I am and and I've seen them put in the work and the effort to be able to to uh you know be the best they can for both my brother and I so yeah I mean on your mum and dad yeah exactly love it And so people that, you know, listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, um, you know, maybe I want to get into endurance activities, maybe they're um, already in some endurance activities and, and you know, want to get better. But if, if you had to sort of say people getting into activities, three tips from, from your perspective, Ellie. Oh, okay. Um, firstly, know your why. I know we touched on this before, but know why you're starting and why you want to do it because mm-hmm you know, that'll stay with you and keep reminding yourself of that as you get uh, further into the training and racing. Um, Number two, get yourself a really good support team, Um, friends, family, coach, sponsors, whatever else it might be, uh, because they'll be your biggest support network and really help you, you know, no matter what level you are, they'll help you get to that goal that, that, you know, you want to achieve. Um, Mm -hmm. And the third tip would be, oh, um, enjoy it and have fun. I think people forget when they're chasing a dream, they kind of put their blinkers on and shut out everything else around them. So I think it's it's still important to let things in that you really enjoy and that make you happy. Um, if for the the everyday athlete, usually that may be going out, you know, with family, friends, um, I don't know, having a few drinks, going out for dinner, eating some cake here and there, mm. like whatever it might be. Just, just don't forget to do those things as well, because 
you know, if you're not enjoying your life outside of, of training and outside of triathlon, you can't be happy in triathlon. I like it. Oh, some good, some great tips there. And so this has been such a fun cup, catch up. You are an absolute champion uh, for people that are wanting to follow along on your journey and, and cheer you along to your, your world champion gig and, and beyond. Um, did you have some social media handles that you would like to share? Yeah, for sure. The best place is probably my Instagram. So my handle's Ellie Salthouse one and my website, elliesalthouse.com is updated quite regularly as well. Um, and it does actually have my Instagram feed on it. So both of those places will keep you pretty up to date. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been fun. <laughs>